I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. So welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and I'm super excited about today's guest. Today's guest is Jen Esquire. Um, Jen is a physical therapist. She's become quite the influencer. She's the creator of the Mobility Method, the Optimal Body. She's also on the Women's Health um, Advisory Board. And it's just an all-around like great person. I first came across Jen um, through, I think it was uh, Ben Bruno, who was um, giving recommendations on people to follow for physical therapy. And I've had all kinds of ailments myself and always looking to how to improve uh, my clients. And I had an online client that was having all kinds of shoulder issues, and I just happened to reach out to her. And she was super helpful, and I've been following her journey along the way. And it's just been super inspiring, and I really give her a lot of credit um, not only for sharing her story about her recent trouble she's gone through, but just how taking that, that risk of going from like, you know, pretty much like a, a steady job as a physical therapist and working in an office to now like where she's at now and just created quite an online brand through physical therapy, through movement and mobility. So Jen, thank you so much for, for hopping on. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> yeah, you're you're welcome. You know, it's just funny because, you know, as a as a trainer myself or in the fitness industry, like you see the transition and how things are starting to now move online and mm-hmm. and it's a lot I would say it's a lot, I don't want to say it's easier. It's quite definitely different to like make it online as a trainer um because, you know, as a trainer there's always you can just it's just about you can show different exercise. You can do this. You can do that. Whereas like physical therapy is a lot more hands-on. And what you've been able to do um, with with running people through like the different movement screens you have and the different you know testing and then like it's, the content has just been amazing. So like kind of like I think what people would really want to know is like what was going through like your mind when you decided to really like shut it down and make that change and be like you know what like I'm just going to take everything online and take a leap of faith and see what happens. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, well, it really took like two leaps of faith, I would say, because <laughs> I went from working in an office to then just doing my own thing and working on my own clients. And it, <clears throat> I started with like, I quit and I had nine clients like on the side already signed up. So I was like, okay, at least I have these, like, I know I'll be fine. Cause people were already reaching out to me to work with me personally, coming into the office and paying cash to see me, even though I wasn't seeing that return, you know? So it just really was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And it happened because I got a, a video shoot through strong magazine and it happened to be on a Saturday. So it was fine. I didn't have to wear, miss work or anything, but I just, it just hit me that, you know, these opportunities right now are going to continue to come. And I am so blessed and lucky enough to have a career. And if I need to, I can always go back and find a physical therapy job. They're available. And right now, why not take the opportunity where if this had been on a weekday, I'd want to take take that opportunity to get a video shoot or to do some other collaboration with some other awesome brand or whatever it may be. So I, after that video shoot on that Saturday, I literally text my bosses and I was like, 
I need to talk on Monday. <laughs> and there was three of them that owned the clinic. And one of them immediately texted back and was like, please don't leave us. <laughs> um, because they kind of knew and felt that, you know, it was, it was coming and it was time. And, and I just told them, you know, I really need to put in a week's notice. I have clients already lined up. I need to figure out what paperwork, what I need to do, like, and how I can be a physical therapist on my own and make sure I'm following the laws of California and doing all of that. So was that, was that hard to, was that, was that hard to do? Like, was there a lot of like ins and outs? I mean, I just, what's like liability reasons and stuff like that? Or is it? It's not too bad. I mean, you, you take the test for the law exam. So, you know, you have a general idea of what you need. And I was fortunate enough to be friends with a lot of amazing people who have already stepped out and taken on this this role uh, independently. So I was able to ask friends for advice in terms of intake forms and just what I needed to make sure that I was covered in and <clears throat> and know and and really be informed with with paperwork particularly like super bills and intake forms and um consent, you know, in terms of what I was doing and how I was doing it. So I was fortunate enough to have that. Now there's tons of courses out there for um, people who want to do cash based BT on their own and do independent, like no matter what state you're in, there's so many different blueprints and people who have, um, who help therapists in this area. So it's available no matter where you are, uh, which I think is a really cool and really awesome. So I was able to step out and know that I was doing it. And I would also say that I proved that I could get my own clients because when I was working at the clinic on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I got off work. I started work at 6.30 a.m., would get off around 3.30, and then I would go to a CrossFit gym nearby and I would take clients on there. So I was already like testing this to make sure that it worked. I wasn't just like, oh, let me just try it. I had clients on the side because I was already taking on clients independently and kind of experiencing what it would be like to be on my own. I did not take any cl uh, clients from the clinic. There were a couple that came to see me independently outside of that, but that was like, I wasn't trying to take anyone or, you know, right, right, right. cross any lines that way. I was, I was really cognizant to build my own thing outside proof of concept that it worked before I just took the leap, you know? Yeah. And I think like, you know, it's, it's gotta be tough and challenging, right? Because I know as for, as a trainer, I, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm not, we're in the, we're in the same field, but different, obviously different professions. I left a gym where I had it and I was bringing in a ton of revenue for the, for the club. And I went out on my own. It was freaking scary. Cause I mean, the whole insecurity and confidence of, am I, I going to be able to get my own clients? And you go back and forth and then taking that leap of faith, I know is scary. And then, but once you do it and you prove to yourself, you get your own clients. I mean, that whole, you get a whole like realm of self-confidence that you never thought mm -hmm. you had. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally. And it was crazy how it just, it kind of built automatically. And then I was like, oh, I actually have to schedule a lunch break for myself because I haven't eaten all day. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't have admin, you're all on your own. And so it's really just kind of getting used to that. And all of a sudden I was working six days a week, five to eight hours a day. And I was also lucky enough that I took, a, I, I rented space out of a gym. So I wasn't going to anyone's house or treating privately that way because I just didn't know how comfortable I would feel as a woman, as a woman doing that. So I really, I asked people to come to me in a gym space. Plus it was, I have access to the gym. So it was great. Um, so I did that 
when I first started and it was great, but it was then that I realized, you know, Instagram is changing. The algorithm is changing. I I don't just come up in a timeline anymore. I only come up in people's posts if they're engaging with it and liking with it and saving and all that kind of stuff. So I just started to realize like as this platform continues to change, I don't know who's actually seeing my posts. I don't know who's actually getting help for my posts. I don't know that the benefit that I'm trying to provide people is actually doing what I'm trying to do. So that's when I decided, you know what? I'm going to launch an online program. I have no idea how to do it. Influencer marketing is not the same as <laughs> online marketing for e-commerce. And it, and it was just, it was a very different world that I was like, I want to step into it and I want to do it. And it was pretty much from like, okay, this is the concept to writing it out, to filming it, to just getting it out. And that's the number one thing that I recommend for everyone is just, just get it out because you're going to continue to learn. You're going to continue to refine. I didn't have ads. I asked friends for help. Like I, I relied a lot on asking for support and not being afraid. That's awesome. I mean, and like, I know people who are in the physical therapy space that you would tell them what you're even today in today's world, you would tell them, um, what you did and they'd be like, you're absolutely freaking crazy for doing that. Like how, how are you doing that? How are you getting clients? How are you making it work? And I think what I found just from following you is that you've helped people solve problems. You have a solution, you have a method, you have a modality that works. It's been tested. It's been proven. People don't have the time. Um, it's like they used to, to go into a PT office, you know, two, three days a week. They don't have maybe the finances, health insurance is changing. So what you've created is just like an, is an easy, not fix, but solution, um, for people. And like, I think there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this show. They're either stuck in a corporate job. They're Mm -hmm. stuck in a place where they would leave if they knew that there was like going to be success, automatic success when they left. And I'm sure with you, like you had no idea that that you were going to, this was going to turn into anything like it's done. I'm sure you didn't imagine having, you know, half a million followers on Instagram and being like one of the most, um, you know, well-known online PT people there is on Instagram. Like what was going through your mind when you, when you took the leap of faith completely and just like left the PT space completely and just said, you know what, I'm doing this all online. Like, did you imagine it would be the, the success it's been today? Oh no, not at all. I had no idea. Um, what would happen, but just like I have built an Instagram, the the Instagram is built because I've continued to see, oh, people are liking this. Let me continue to lean in. And that was the same for my courses. I asked people, well, what would you want from me if I were to be able to provide something for you? And I already knew what the answer would be because the most engaging posts that I would put was always about mobility, which was amazing because it was in alignment with something that I felt with integrity, I can provide a foundational layer of people discovering their own mobility restrictions and being able to open up out of those um, rather than just like a low back fix or a strengthening program where I don't know where someone is starting. But mobility, that's foundational. Anyone can look and discover different restrictions and start to learn the mobility needed for their body. Can it get more specific and, and be with someone in person, 100%. But if you at least have the tools to start, that's what I know that I can provide. 
and I know that people wanted to see it. And that is essentially what I've always done. I've always leaned into what is it that people are wanting? What is it that people are needing? I'm not just putting it out because I want to, and I'm not just putting it out because I think this is what people want. But I ask, and I want to know what what is it that you want to see from me? What is it that you're coming to my page and wanting to find? The first time I posted anything related to uh, physical therapy type things or body elements, I was so scared. <laughs> I was a new grad. I already had an Instagram following because it grew out of a fitness community accidentally. Um, but I created a platform for fitness and people following my calisthenic journey and acro yoga and just body stuff and cool handstand tricks that I would do. So I had no idea that people would be one interested in what I had to share when it came to how to get at, open up different restrictions or strengthen different areas or body tips in any way. And I was so afraid because I had mentors that I looked up to that I followed and I knew followed me that I didn't want to put up anything that would be stupid <laughs> and like, oh, this new grad doesn't know anything, which is still honestly a fear because I do have people that attack and I do have people that disagree, which I think is great if people disagree, but I just, I don't always respect the way that people go about it in disagreements on social media. Um, so if it's still there. It's still like a fear of mine, but it's also like, listen, I know that people are, are literally DMing me daily with how much it has helped them, with how much that, that whether it's my programs or my posts or whatever it may be, has opened up something within their body that they felt trapped in. And so I know that I'm doing something good and I'm going to continue to learn and continue to do my best work in putting that forward for other people. Yeah. So, so well said, and you really touched on something that I think a lot of people need to kind of hear a, you didn't imagine having the success um, that you're going to, you're having today. I mean, I think so many people, they like wait for all the, like the dots to line up before they make mm -hmm. some like leap. And by the time the dots have already lined <clears> up, which never really do, They've yeah. kind of lost their shot and maybe they've lost the dream. They've lost the passion and success happens just like anything else. Getting out, trying it, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, yep. surrounding yourself with the right tools and people that help you along the way. And like the universe, God, whatever you call it, like kind of like aligns things as they're meant to be. And then also like haters, right? I, I know yeah. for me, <laughs> my my view on like drug addiction is, is polar opposite than most. Like I didn't go into AA or NA or any of that stuff. Mm. I, my, mine was more fitness, changing the people I hung out with, you know, adopting a good spirituality practice, being held accountable. And I don't believe that everybody has to go through AA. I'm like, dude, change your body. You know, I'm not going to get into that. But so my view is different and I get a, yeah. lot of, a lot of hate on mine because they're like, who are you? You're not a doctor. You're not this. And I think like with you, like the more people that are like giving you crap, it's like, then the more that like you're making an impact and having success because people, they don't like, they, they like to like to attack the people that they're like, wow, like that person's actually got a good idea and I'm not doing what she's doing or I'm not doing what he's doing. And Hey, they might be right. And they might be onto something. And I think that's a big part of it. Cause you don't see like successful people like hating on people. You see people that are just not happy with themselves. And, and it, I think it goes a lot for some people that are, you know, listeners and even some people that 
um, follow us both on social media that haven't like taken that leap, haven't taken that chance to like put like a piece of content out there. They haven't made a video or they haven't like whatever because they're afraid of somebody like getting on them for like what they what they feel about like yeah. movement or trauma or nutrition or whatever it is. And I just think just based on what you're saying, based on what a lot of other people who have gone ha- had the same journey, it's like like screw it, like put yourself out there. Whoever is is leaving you these hateful comments or not people that are meant to be in your life anyway. They, yeah. They, and so I think that what you've created is, is amazing. It's awesome. And I want to get in a little bit more about like movement and about mobility, right? Cause mobility mm-hmm. is like, I remember first hearing about mobility. Like I'm sure, you know, Kelly Sturette, right? Yeah. So like mm-hmm. Ke- the becoming a supple leopard. I mean, I remember I read that book like cover to cover like three or four times, like when it came out. And mobility was like, it was like a buzzword, but nobody knew it was like mobility, stability, flexibility. What's the difference? Like, no, and like, it just, they all seemed like interchangeable, but I know they're not. And I know your, your definition and mobility is easy to understand. And it just seems like there's a lot of knowledge behind it. So how do you define mobility? Number one. And number two, why do you think it's important for everyone to be um, mobile and not just flexible? Yeah. So mobility is really the ability to take whatever range of motion you have within your body and make it active. So that means not, so it it takes flexibility, the aspect of passive stretching and make that actually applicable to what you do in everyday life. Like, okay, you can pull your knee into your chest when you're laying down, but can you step up onto a really high step when you're hiking and actually get your body to move? So it's that ability to take that passive portion of that range of motion and actually make it functional and applicable to your everyday life through active movement. So, and that's why I think mobility is so important. And I don't think there's one better than the other. It's just, what is the intention for what you want to create? So my mobility practice still starts with a passive aspect most of the time. Most of the time, if I'm trying to increase a range that my body is not used to being in, I need to hold and breathe there for a moment and make my body feel safe. Like everything that we do for the body, we're always trying to tap into the nervous system because the nervous system is queen. <laughs> like the nervous system is what controls anything we do in the body. It's going to tell us whether we can move into a new range. It's going to restrict us from moving into a new range or relaxing and releasing the tension, the knots and the whatever restriction we feel like is there in order to move into a new range. But that all comes from the nervous system and allowing that body to eventually be able to move differently. So I think a passive flexibility breathing into a new range of motion is still important, but it's not just relying on that. So it's being able to discover that that new range, allow the nervous system to feel safe and comfortable, and then saying, okay, now how can I be strong in that range of motion, through that range of motion, and how does that relate into my everyday life? If I'm going to trip, can I extend my leg out to the side and catch myself without pulling a muscle? If I'm going to 
to run and jump can I actually push off of my big toe in the full extension that it needs. So it's all of these different aspects within the body that we need to actually be functional, not just passive. So well said, so well put. I mean, I know like it's so important to be able to like be able to do those things in everyday life because you think about it, like a lot of times people that they have injuries or they have any kind of ailments when they're doing stuff that like, you know, whether they're going on a hike or whether they're doing something with their mm-hmm. kids or whether they're carrying groceries, mm-hmm. it's not because they're not strong enough. It's not because um, they're clumsy. It's because there's some, they have some mobility issues. I mean, the perfect point you made was like bringing your foot up to like step onto something. If you're hiking is like a huge, it's a huge thing to be able to do. And, and I think like, Going into the holidays, going into the new year, you hear a lot about the word stress, right? And we're so yeah. overstressed as a society. It's like, you know, we're, o- we're overwhelmed. We're overstimulated. We're over this, over that. I know, I think that there's a lot of tension and emotions and everything else that's stored in in our tissues, in our muscles. Um, and I think mobility can be a huge tool to be able to navigate through that. What's your opinion on that? Do you believe stress and emotions and everything are stored in our muscles like that? And how do you kind of address that? Totally. (laughs) Um, Your body remembers a lot of just a lot. Your body remembers incidences of trauma, incidences of pain. So even if it's like you had been sitting for a really long time at work and and your back started to tighten up. But now every single time you go to work and you feel that stress, your back tightens up again. It's not now just due to sitting. It's now due to stress as well. So I've had clients and we really have to walk through this line of, okay, let's start to become aware of when the pain is coming on because it is not just mechanical. Mechanical is obviously an aspect that we have to look at. Where are the impairments of mobility restrictions of strength issues and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff? But just as well, we have to look at the whole environmental factors as well because that plays a role into how your brain is interpreting that pain. So I I don't dismiss that anyone is experiencing pain, but it's also is it the stress stress that's actually driving and increasing that experience of pain as well. So that's when I, I, you know, I do have clients and I ask them to, just start being cognizant and aware of when their pain is starting to happen. Because I've also had clients where it's like, especially nerve issues, nerves can become very inflamed and restriction in movement, numbness, tingling, burning, all those kinds of sensations. And sometimes I've had a client where it's like, oh yeah, it was getting better. And then I went on vacation, it completely went away, went back to work on Monday and it started to come back a little bit, you know, due to my job. And I'm like, okay, maybe it was your job. Maybe it was the lifting and the, and the manual work that you're doing, but were you lifting a suitcase? Were you lifting other things when you were on vacation? Were you doing things with your arm and you just didn't notice that you were having any pain? Or maybe your body wasn't in a stressful state where it was inflamed. So it's also being able to awaken the client into realizing, oh, my environment and my stress levels and my emotional impact in those different environments actually impact my pain as well. And a lot of the times that we can get back to that just through breath and observing like, okay, if we can 
tap you into a different breath state, turn off or turn on your off switch, which is your parasympathetic, and tap into that more relaxed, relax, rest, relax, digest state of being, and get you out of that stressful, tense, sympathetic, like go, go, go. I have to get things done. I'm at work. I'm stressed. My boss is yelling at me. My kids need me. Da da da. Whatever it may be, if you can turn on that off switch of that parasympathetic and get your nervous system to completely switch and all of a sudden the pain goes away, then we're not just dealing with a mechanical issue. We're also dealing with a stress issue. And that's one of the main ways that you can start to identify the two. If I can make the pain turn off just by breathing, then it's not just mechanical. That's amazing. And so like, well said, I totally agree with you. I don't think it's just mechanical either. I believe that we hold a lot of stress in our bodies, in our tissues, and we res we respond based on our environment. So if you're around like a bunch of, for instance, I know me, if I'm around a bunch of toxic people a lot and I'm in a toxic situation, I get really tense and I, I get really tense in my neck, I get really tense in my hips, and then I get you know stress, all that stuff. And if I don't sleep well, like it all adds up and all of a sudden, like I think we're just very reactive, right? We're like just looking to fix like the, the surface level problem. So if the surface level problem is tight hips, you know, you're just only fixing the tight hips and you're not looking at what's causing all that. And I think you brought up a really good point that we need to look at other ways to holistically than just typical physical therapy, than just typical fitness that, you know, you look at like tapping in to different things like breath work and meditation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even like, you know, changing your environment. I know you're big on like inner circle. I heard you, um, you know, talking on a podcast about like who you surround yourself with and why it's so important to you. And I guarantee you it all has to do with because you want to keep your stress levels as minimal as they need to be. Um, not saying that stress won't happen because we live and it's going to like, yeah. what kind of things do you do with your clients other than like the mobility part that to help them kind of calm down in that stressful state? Is it meditation? Is it breath work? Um, is it journaling? Do you do what other things do you kind of implement into your like programs with them? Yeah. So first off, I always like to talk to people about what pain is within their body. And again, we walk through this like awareness of the pain and when it's happening and what it's doing. And I think changing the conversation around the pain in the body is the most important thing. Because typically when something is painful, immediately the response is, oh, no, this is bad. Like, I have pain. I don't have time for pain. Why is pain here? Oh, my gosh. Like, something else can be happening. And, and you go through all this spiral of, like, fighting this pain. Well, that all just increases that sympathetic stress. So now, on top of having the pain and the spasms and the, the burning, the tingling, whatever it may be, now I'm increasing that level of sensitivity, I'm increasing that response to pain. I'm increasing the inflammation around that area. And I'm making the body feel like it is in danger even more. And I need to go into protective mode. And this is where a lot of spasms happen. Spasms happen because your body is going into a tension because it feels like something is wrong and I need to protect you. And so rather than fighting pain, what if we actually got to be appreciative of the pain? And change that language and change that conversation around it and say like, oh my God, I feel pain because it's just talking to me and letting me know that 
there is an experience happening of maybe I'm neglecting sleep. Maybe I'm not aware that my environment is super stressful. Maybe the foods I've been putting in my body are super inflammatory and my body's just not responding to it. Maybe I haven't been moving very much. Maybe I'm not even going for a walk or, or stretching or, or playing with my kids and getting down on the floor. Maybe I'm neglecting other areas and so my body is just trying to talk to me. And beyond that, my body is trying to protect me. When it goes into spasm, when it goes into knots, when it goes into tension, that's my body's way of saying, hey, I feel like we're in danger here, so I'm going to protect you. So rather than fighting it, I say, how can we thank it? How can we thank the body for this awareness of pain? First of all, if you don't have that awareness of pain, then it's bad. <laughs> you know, if we can't. Then you're dead, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or we're stepping on nails and we don't even realize, like, I mean, people who have neur neuropathy, like, that's a bad that's bad because now you're walking on feet that can't feel anything. So it's actually bad when we don't have that experience of pain. So having that experience is a very grateful thing that we have to acknowledge. It's the same as your stomach grumbling. Your stomach is telling you and making you aware that you're hungry. You're yawning. You're feeling fatigue. Your body is telling you, making you aware that you haven't been getting good sleep. So how can we start to increase our awareness of listening to that and appreciating that rather than fighting it. Because the moment that we fight it the mo is the moment we put our body in more stress, in a more sympathetic state, increasing those inflammatory markers within our body and increasing that sensitivity to pain. But now if we, again, go back into, okay, how can I acknowledge that? How can I be thankful for it? I'm automatically switching into a more parasympathetic state, like, I mean, you don't all of a sudden start saying gratitudes and be pissed off, <laughs> you right, know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the moment that we go into a gratitude state, we're usually in a more parasympathetic, relaxed state of being appreciative, um, coming from a more accepting place rather than fighting and judging place. So the moment that you're able to accept like, OK, my body is just talking to me. I'm so thankful for the experience that it's able to still I'm able to feel the pain and my body wants to protect me. So thank you for protecting me. I'm safe. I'm good. I'm not broken. I'm not, nothing's grinding. Nothing's exploding. Like we also have to be cognizant of the, the language that we use. Like nothing is out. If your SI was really out, the moment you step off a curve, wouldn't it be really like detrimental to your entire body? We walk on a single leg. We're doing single leg stability work every single time we take a step. So if your SI was really out, it, that would be really problematic, but it's not. So really like changing the language around what we've presented. And that's why I almost don't need to diagnose my client because what am I doing by diagnosing? I'm just telling you that I'm giving you another thing to start to worry about then. Unless, obviously, I need to and I'm telling you to go see an MRI. Yeah, there's there's times and there's place to go get an MRI, X-ray, to go see something further and get imaging and get a concrete diagnosis. But in general, if you're just having nagging, nagging pain that's coming on and, and presenting itself, we don't necessarily need the diagnosis because all the diagnosis does is it confirms the symptom. If I'm telling you you have a disc issue, you have... Uh, tendonitis, I'm telling you that it hurts right there in that spot. But that doesn't necessarily tell me the cause. That doesn't tell me why it has turned into a tendonitis type thing. That doesn't tell me why the disc issue is now presenting itself. 
All that does is confirm the symptom, but it doesn't tell me the cause. So I don't necessarily need to go over a diagnosis with my client. I need to go over a whole body approach, a whole environmental approach of what's happening within your entire system, within your entire environment, and how can we start to make little changes on things that maybe we were neglecting that could be the, the cause of why you're having this pain. And if that's what we can start to go into and start to shift the mindset around, this isn't bad, this is good, and start to play into... Like, let's just be in discovery mode. Let's be exploratory around our body and let's take this opportunity to learn. And I'm going to walk this journey with you because I'm not here to fix you. There's no magical touch that I have. There's no external force that I can put onto you that is going to fix you. Everything that I do on you is just to change the way that your nervous system is experiencing that symptom of pain. So if someone does something to you, a massage, an adjustment, a manipulation, whatever modality they put on you, that is a momentarily symptom relief that is not a fix of the cause that is us decreasing that sensation of pain that you have in that one place but that one place typically doesn't mean that that is the cause so also giving people the opportunity to explore their own body rather than relying on me i am not the fix the clinician is not the fix unless unless you're going to see an orthopedic surgeon who's literally going to then fix something clinicians are not the fix we are the facilitator i mean i could gosh we could talk for hours about everything you just said and i think the there's a few things number 1 is that you know, it's like what people kind of almost look for is they look for a magic pill. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get prescribed this medication. I want this quick fix just to like fix my sickness or fix my ailment when really that's just like a bandaid. And I think when you rip the bandaid off and you're like, Holy she's like, what's underneath all this, what's causing all this. Maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's how you're sleeping. Maybe it's your nutrition. Then you can really start to attack like the root of everything, get to the root of every Mm -hmm. problem. Right. So that's one. Number two, you know, you talk about accepting pain, right? And I think mm-hmm. what we, we make our situations worse sometimes, we're in that fight or flight mode, we're in that state of angst by being anxious about the anxiety or being yeah. stressed about their fight or flight. And like, oh my God, I'm stressed. Like, yeah, it's normal. Your body's talking to you. Your body's telling you something. Maybe your body's telling you you shouldn't be hanging around those people. Maybe your body's telling you you needed to work less or sleep more. And I think if more people, and that's why I came up with this show, like the, the adversity advantage, like using pain as a tool and compass to like get you to the next level and to switch gears a little bit i know for you you went through a period of adversity um and where a lot of people i mean and rightfully so would have taken that and kind of used it as a crutch as an excuse to kind of just quit and say down and out you know i'm never going to take a chance on myself again i'm never going to love again i'm never going to trust again i'm never going to you know make anything because of what happened. Talk a little bit about the experience you had with infidelity and what, A, what went through your mind when it first happened? And then B, like what process you really took that was kind of different than I think a lot of people did to kind of use that to, to grow and to be a better person. Yeah. Oh man. Takes me back. (laughs) It's almost exactly a year ago. (laughs) Um, Five days before Christmas, I found out about this, and immediately I was in a sympathetic state. And I almost laughed at myself because I 
I went into this panic of like, (gasps) and like the inhalation phase was so strong and this moment of panic and anxiety and confusion and everything. And I realized in that moment, oh my gosh, this is where people get stuck. This is where it becomes a panic attack. This is where it becomes that, that severe anxiety. And in that moment, I was able to laugh at myself personally because I'm like, hello, Jen, you teach this stuff. You teach breath work. (laughs) And so immediately I was able to pull myself out of that. And just like a quick little thing for people is focusing on a longer exhale and a shorter inhale. Like think about the moments that we're in panic and stress and anxiety. It is that sensation of inhalation. It is that like, (gasps) oh my God. And you like continue to suck in air, suck in air, suck in air. But all we're doing is we're driving the sympathetic system. The sympathetic lives in that inhalation state. And if we want to shift anything, hold your breath maybe in that inhalation and then focus on a really long, slow exhale. And then see if you can get slower and longer exhales, slower and longer exhales, and notice how it drops your body down. Like, think about it when we go get a massage, right? And we're just like in the, uh, (laughs) ah, that's the state that we want to bring our body back into. And so I'm so appreciative, one, that I had this knowledge and I was able to shift my state immediately. Um, And then it, it allowed me to not be as reactive. Because in that moment, I could have burst into the other room and (laughs) started yelling and doing all this crazy stuff, but I didn't. I allowed myself to be. Yeah, and it's it's that's something that I know is really hard for people because we're so reactive and we our attention, even our attention spans are so short, and we want to like win, right? Like, so if somebody harms us, whether it's um, a romantic partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coworker, we want to like win right away. And you talk a lot about like getting away from that reactive and maybe getting into the reflective state, right? Getting into that parasympathetic, you know, other than like breath work and you talk about like calming yourself down through the breath, what other methods would you say that really helped you, um, you know, through this process? Was it gratitude? Was it journaling? Was it therapy? Like what other things did you kind of do that really helped you? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot and that was just I'm talking breathwork in the very immediate space, right? So in the moment of finding out, that's that's where I was. But through the, throughout the entire journey, one, I was so grateful that I've done so much personal development work and work within myself personally that when it came to this point, I knew immediately this has nothing to do with me. Someone else's actions and behavior doesn't have to do with me. You don't drive another person to make choices Every choice is individual. So it isn't my self-worth. It isn't my beauty, my personality, my anything. That is all mine still. My self-worth is mine. No one takes that away from me. So I knew in that moment also, because I've done so much work to truly stand in my self-worth and own that so much and own who I am, that someone else's choices is not dependent on me and vice versa. My choices, what I decide to do, how I decide to to react or not react or whatever it may be, that's on me. Anytime I get into a reactive state, that's on me. So it's owning and taking full ownership in that was such a helpful 
gift that I recommend for everyone to do for themselves, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship or whatever it may be, do this for you. So it's beyond just listening to podcasts and reading books, but it's literally putting yourself in environments that you're going to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to speak on stuff that you don't want to speak on. You're going to have to force yourself into environments. Like for me, I grew up very shy. I And I went through most of the personal development program not speaking because that's where my comfort zone is. <laughs> I will sit in the back and observe and I don't need to step up and speak and say anything. And so for me, putting myself in, in environment and positions where it forced me to have to was so huge and such a gift. And that's what I recommend. There, there's courses all over the world, literally all over the world that people can look up and start to take and start to in, increase their awareness of their own emotional environment. And I think the moment that we increase our awareness of that, it's just so, so powerful. And so I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. And I'm also grateful that I had an amazing, amazing support system around me. So I had friends that immediately came to my side the moment that it happened. And like that day, I was looking up apartments and <laughs> and trying to figure things out. And this is five days before Christmas. So it is crazy. I don't want to go over to, you know, like walking into Christmas Eve and having to see every my whole family was right. heartbreaking. I immediately went upstairs and just was bawling and had my sister and my cousins there with me. Um, so it's it's not easy, but if you have people that are just able to hold space, and I did have to separate myself from some people. So I had to, the people who want to just don't know how to emotionally support you, and that's not bad. A lot of people just don't know how. So some people are like, oh, you'll be fine. It's great. Da, da, da. Those are the people I needed to distance myself from. Not anything bad against them, but I need to be with people who could hold space. And holding space means that no matter what what I'm feeling, whether I'm crying, whether I'm laughing, whether I'm angry, they're not going to feed into my anger and make me more angry and revengeful and feel like, oh, but they're going to just hold space for me to be angry. They're going to hold space for me to cry. They're going to hold space for me to laugh and have fun and not care. You know, so no matter what I'm in, and I would say, if you don't feel like you have people like that around you, could you ask for that kind of support and don't be afraid to. If, if the only people around you don't know emotionally how to be available for you, ask. Say, hey, do you mind if I just call you when I'm feeling down? Do you mind if you can just come over and just sit with me while I cry? Do you mind if... But like hiding out and being alone, though it might feel good at first, you don't want to just isolate. It's not, it's not healthy. And, and being able to really have support around you in times when it's the hardest is the thing that's going to help you to crawl out. So that is the number one thing that I, I recommend for people. And then I was you know, fortunate enough to talk with therapists and talk with like Krista Petty is a somatic therapist. And I was able to um, talk with her just even on the phone and, and move through different areas within my body that I was feeling different things. And I would literally get off the phone with her and feel like a weight just lifted off my chest. Like that's how impactful it can be to actually talk with someone else who is a trained professional too. Um, I also went to Christine Hassler's 
um, workshop and she had like an anger release, which holy crap, um, when you felt betrayed or done or had just an experience of, of that anger within you, being able to be in a place that you are allowed to release it. <laughs> so powerful, so, so powerful. Um, and so in all these different ways, my, my number one recommendation is allow yourself to ride the waves. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be times when you think I'm fine. And then the waves come crashing back down. There's going to be triggers. There's going to be things that happen along the way and continuing to say, okay, I'm feeling it. I'm compassionate for it because I know I'm healing. Now, what is it that I need right now? Do I need a bath? Do I need a journal? Do I need to call someone? Do I just need to cry and allow that to be okay? Do I need to hit my pillows really hard and scream into my pillows and have that be okay? But allow yourself to be okay and give yourself the permission to fully feel and move through the pain. Yeah, you gosh, I mean, the way you just put all that was so I think resourceful for people who are going to who are going through this and not just people who are going through it, but people like that anybody because i think the thing that you really that you said that i think was one of the most important things you stated was that you're thankful that you did a lot of personal development work a lot of self-development work so that you were able to get to the point where you could say you could see you know the whole you know it's not a reflection on you it's a reflection on them which if people haven't done any work they don't they're like that that doesn't really mean nearly as much because you really don't understand it and also just having the confidence within yourself and the initiative to being like, okay, like what can I do? What can I control in the situation to not a, not make it worse and B to heal and to make myself better. And I think it's, it's cool that you've kind of, you've taken, you know, obviously first going through your, um, hitting the adversity you hit when you left your PT business and now turning into something amazing with what you've created with doc gen fit and the mobility method and the optimal body. And then even more on a personal level, getting through infidelity, which is one of the, like probably the hardest things to move through in a relationship because it's a, it attacks your ego like crazy, right? Creates a lot of anger, a lot of uncertainties. You, you normally don't get closure, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of dishonesty and stuff and just what you've kind of done now. And I know you're in a great relationship and I'm sure you've learned a lot um, about what you want, what you don't want. And I think like the one thing that people may not understand and grasp is that it, it just seems from the outside in what I've kind of either a listened to you on different podcasts and just seen like what you post on social media that your infidelity and what you went through, you learned so much about a yourself and what you wanted in a partner that it's now manifested into this great relationship you have. So like, if you could just like share just a little bit, like, you know, how, how that all came about and what kind of things you changed as far as what you wanted in a partner that is now impacted, like what you have with Dom and how like, and, and how you guys have such a great relationship and how it's attributed to, you know, I think a lot of the adversity you went through. Yeah, very, very blessed and lucky. <laughs> um, you know, for me, it was it was owning responsibility within the last relationship I was in as well. Not that, again, you don't cause someone to cheat or betray or lie or anything like that. But at the same time, what was I responsible for? I was responsible for staying in a relationship that I could feel in my body was not where I I wanted to be. I could literally, like, I got shingles. I was so stressed out. (laughs) I, my body was trying to talk to me. 
and I wasn't listening. Instead, I was playing on the, you know, relationships are hard and there's things that you have to work through and you don't get all that you want and you have to compromise. And, and though those things are true, relationships will take work, every kind of relationship, right? Business, personal, whatever. But at the same time, you also get to be so, so steadfast in, in understanding what your values are and what your core things that you want to create in order to grow into something bigger are and not compromise those. No matter, again, no matter business, friendship, or intimate relationship, I think those true core values get to be met. And there's no right, wrong, good, bad if someone else doesn't meet them. It's the acceptance of like, okay, we're not in alignment. And what I was doing was forcing alignment or trying to force alignment that wasn't there. Trying to say like, oh, it's okay. I understand that he's not used to this, this, and this. So I just have to accept that. And I'm not used to this, this, and this. So maybe he'll accept that. Or he says that he wants these things and look at the potential of what it can be. And I was living into this idea and this potential of what I thought of what maybe glimmers of hope of what he's said rather than the reality of what was in front of me, (laughs) of the person that he was showing me. So I think it's letting go of the potential and trusting yourself. That was the biggest thing. I didn't trust what my body was feeling. I didn't trust what my intuition was telling me. I didn't trust that I could have someone that truly meets me in my core values in every way and have that be possible. So the biggest thing that opened up for me was that freedom to trust. Like, oh my God, I can trust myself. This this angst, this anxiety, this stress that was building inside of me, it was trying to talk to me and I can actually trust myself. Like my intuition is on point <laughs> and I get to be heard, which is like such a freedom. Oh my God, it gave me the biggest, biggest freedom I've ever had in my entire life. And it allowed me to say, okay, this is what I'm gonna stand in. This is who I am. This is what I want. And if I don't get that, that's all good. Like I am again, so strong in my self-worth and who I am and what I want that when I met Dom, And literally the second weekend we hung out, because we're not from the same area, um, we were, it was this incredible connection that I've never, ever had with a human. And I was like, okay, whoa, I need like no, not, no pressure, not trying to rush anything or say anything. But, you know, if you did want this to move forward, I Like, I need someone connected with my family. I didn't have that before. And that is one of my biggest core values of who I am as family. So you'd have to be my family. Um, I'm not looking for just a boyfriend. Like, I really do want a partner in this life. And that's what I'm clear on. Um, So we can hang out and we can be cool. But, like, I'm not looking for just for fun. And and I think I said something else that, you know, in, in reality would typically scare someone away or that's what we think we're so afraid to speak into what we really want because we're so afraid of pushing someone away which is so crazy like 
how are we supposed to find someone <laughs> that aligns with us unless we're able to speak what we really want and what we need and what and stand firm in that. And that's the greatest gift that I had walking out of that past relationship was like, I wasn't standing for me. I was allowing things because I was trying to be more accepting, trying to be more understanding. And listen, I could be accepting and understanding and know that we're not in alignment <laughs> and that's okay. So forgive myself for not walking away sooner. Forgive myself for allowing myself to stay. And now I'm going to say I'm not accepting that anymore. And this is who I am. This is who I want to be with. And this is what I want. And when I was able to stand strong in that, I, I met someone who was able to meet me and match me. And he's absolutely so incredible because I also said, you know what? I am still healing and I don't know how long this healing journey is going to be for me. There's going to be triggers that come up for me that have nothing to do with you, but it's my own thing. And he has stood in that and has walked that journey with me. And it has been the most impactful thing that I've ever had from a human who can really hold space and allow. And again, I always say like, what is too soon or like whatever. I think we all come with, with scars of something, whether it's from your childhood, from past relationships, from mean, mean girls in high school or whatever it may be. We all come with some kind of scars and some kind of triggers. So being open and real about that and owning your own stuff and being able to talk to someone else about that and say, this is what I'm healing with. Can you hold space for it? Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up so many good points. I think one is the whole um, core value thing. I think, you know, obviously in, in relationships, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be disagreements, there's going to be arguments, and that's anything, right? But I think yeah. core values, like your your passion, like what you really stand for, whether it's family, honesty, communication, integrity, uh, growth, whatever it is, like you have to meet them, like they have to be in alignment for anything else to really work. And I think we live in a society where we're so quick to like get into things just to get into things and force things that aren't even meant to be forced. That that's why, you know, a lot of things don't end up working out. And, and I think the other part that you really um, said that was very, I think vulnerable was the fact that you had to own your shit and you had to know that like, you know, you're going to, you're going to have triggers. You're going to have things that come up that are, you know, on you and, but it's, and it's mm -hmm. on you to work on. And I think when you express it in that way, I think it helps either the, the other person know that, you know what, like they're working on it, they're healing mm -hmm. and there's, there's peace in that. Because if you were just to say nothing and you weren't healing and you were just like kind of doing your own thing and you're just like, and then triggers came up and, and then they'd be like, well, what the heck? And they would think that that's yeah. who you were. Right. And you're like, no, yeah. that's not who I am. I'm just healing. And and I think, you know, you, you talked a lot about like how aligned you are, how you guys kind of, you know, complement each other, um, family, you know, and I think like we, we sometimes it's like we get involved with people, um, you know, too quickly to fill like a void or to fill mm -hmm. like something that we didn't have from our childhood. And I think it all comes back to doing the work on yourself Mm -hmm. um, getting really freaking clear on like who you are as a person. And then again, who you want to see in a partner. Um, like the last thing I'll, I'll say is that there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that, 
are freaking maybe they've just gone through a horrible breakup maybe they like just lost their job they are you know 50 pounds overweight whatever and they like feel like they're like hopeless they're in that you know sympathetic state of fight or flight they're stressed out of their minds and they just have no idea what's going to happen a, a day from now let alone a month from now what advice would you give to say like your best friend if that was your best friend going through this and like what kind of things would you tell them to do Oh, I would tell them to to appreciate where they are. This is all, we're all on a journey. So rather than fighting like this hopelessness, fighting this, why am I feeling like this? Why is this happening? And judging yourself, reminding them like, how would you treat me if I was feeling this way? What would, what would be the things that you would tell me if I was feeling this way? Now, what are you telling yourself? And can you shift the conversation to understanding and having compassion that we're all moving along a life journey? There's no comparison. There's no right, wrong, good, bad. There just is. (laughs) And understanding and having compassion for the fact that maybe you are hurting right now. And that's okay. And I'm here for you. How can I be here? How can I support you? And asking them, like, do you want to go? to rage ground and hit some stuff, (laughs) (laughs) which is a place in LA. Um, Do you need to go journal? Do you need space? Do you want to cry? Like, how can I be here for you? And a lot of times what I find too is that people always, it's it's really like we want to be connected. So the first thing that we usually want to do is like, oh, I totally understand how you're feeling. This is my story. This is what I did. This is da, da, da. But before you dive into what you feel like you can help someone with through your story, like just ask and hold space and remind them of how, how they're talking to themselves. Is that how they would talk to you as a friend? And what are the things? And maybe that takes journaling to say like, these are the things that I'm telling myself. This is how bad I feel. This is what I look in the mirror and this is what I see. And then saying, Oh my gosh, would I ever say this to a friend? Like, what am I doing? And then saying, okay, how can I start to switch this language? How can I write something different? And maybe it just starts with writing it differently. And then, you know, something I did, which I'll end with, is realizing that me talking negative about myself was creating a negative environment around me. And that was the worst thing that I realized. It wasn't that I was talking bad about myself. It was that I was giving permission for other people to talk bad about themselves and creating a negative space so I didn't want that for other people so for me it took writing two to three things I loved about myself every single day for 30 days and asking for support from friends and family if I ever said something negative about myself can you stop me in that moment and make me reverse it and if you say anything negative about yourself I'm going to do I'm going to hold you to the same caliber asking for support doing it for yourself and finding that love that you have for yourself, just like you would for a friend. Amazing. And, um, gosh, the, the whole thing about love and the whole like negativity with yourself and not letting like whatever negative thoughts you have, like impact like your environment around you, is just so key because then you end up not only hurting yourself, you end up hurting other people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Jen, so much great information. not only from like a physicality perspective from like the physical therapy and movement mobility but also from like a personal perspective on you know the adversity and all the hard times you've had over the last year and how it's led you into something 
more positive. I'm sure people are going to want to like reach out to you or find you on, on social media. Like where's the best place for people to reach you? I share most of everything that I do on Instagram at docgenfit. Um, they're also reposted on Facebook most of the time, docgenfit there. I'm coming up and teaching more on YouTube, docgenfit. So <laughs> across the board, docgenfit is the easiest place. Doc Jen Fit, there you go. So, you know, once again, thank you so much uh, for tuning into this episode of the Adversity Advantage um, with Doc Jen Fit. And um, can't wait to hear what you guys think of this. And I will see you next time.